Welcome to your Making It Worse. We're here, we're queer, who cares? I'm Elliot Glazer. And I'm Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Allen Scott. Textual healing. How you guys doing? <laughs> Good. <laughs> oh, man. Just, just fine. This is our, 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 our third one of these. Yeah, no, it's so strange. It is it's nice so not being in the same room as you two guys, but... Um, <laughs> And I have Outside had that, in my my uh, inbox has gotten a couple of uh, messages about diarrhea, <laughs> and I I didn't even <laughs> I didn't even like understand like the joke, and then I was like, oh, this person's talking about my diarrhea. Great, it is it, it is kind of strange induced. It's strange the responses we've been getting on Instagram and whatnot because like mm-hmm. the the comic segment that we did a couple of or last episode I forget they're all yeah, um, but the one about the Marvel comics and the queer character that one got a lot of responses there's a lot of comic oh. fans out there of people who think we're speaking about it ignorantly but they were okay very, they were very sweet about it sure so thank sure. you for being sweet and accepting that you live in a world that's very niche to us that's right <laughs> that's right i uh, yeah it's been it's been you know an interesting week we're now i'm la is pretty much in like week three of full lockdown pretty much uh, yeah, we counted, I counted the other day and I think this is like day 19 of when the city yeah. tested us yeah. going into it. So yeah, it's definitely getting into that period. And they're saying that as of us recording this today, today's April 5th, right? Uh, mm-hmm. That that this next week is going to be the, the uh, hardest. The, the rough week. one, yeah. right. Yeah. And that we're literally not supposed to like do you like if if you can stay home for two weeks stay home and now in la obviously Ma- governor garcetti uh, uh, mayor garcetti really wants ma- everyone to wear masks well not even just yeah. i mean the governor and the cdc is recommending it nationwide um, right so yeah it's, did you guys uh, know that one of the, at the my mom told me that at the bronx zoo a handler had corona and gave it to tigers yeah, but animals, like, I mean, there's another case of a cat getting it somewhere that, yeah. else. And, like, animals react to it very differently because their genetic makeup is very different than humans. Right. My mom said that her friend who's a vet or something, or she has a friend who knows a vet, and the vet was like, they've been dealing with corona forever, um, and it's not as dire as it, as it is with humans. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's one thing that I noticed online is how people communicate about sort of the coronavirus because the coronavirus in itself is a virus that sort of is encompassing of a lot of different types of viruses and Mm. COVID-19 is the disease caused by the coronavirus. So someone gets really sick and, you know, they get it, they get COVID-19 and which is a part of the coronavirus family. Mm. And so the, you know, a lot of different viruses fall under coronavirus and it's, it's, it's the, when you get sick, the test you're getting is a COVID-19 test, not a coronavirus test. Um, so it's, it's interesting the language and how people communicate about it. But I will say, since we are recording this April 5th and I have yelled at more specifically Elliot, uh, than anybody else, Mm. stay home. Don't go in, like, don't go to Target. Don't go, literally, just, it doesn't matter where you are in this country. If you can and you have the ability and you're not an essential worker, and if you are an essential worker, God bless you. Thank you for everything that you're doing. Uh, but stay home. Just stay what, home. What if you're Elliot Glazer and you need to buy a vacuum cleaner? <laughs> what do you do then? What do you do? You got to go to Target. You got to go to Target because, the, you know, the internet is not a thing. You can't order things on the internet at all. This bitch, all. he pays people to buy him cars and he can't stop buying vacuum cleaners <laughs> even during pandemics. Well, this next two weeks, Elliot, don't go to, don't, don't look for vacuums. Don't, I mean... <laughs> I, I know I know you're in a lovely relationship with a wonderful man and you want to show it off to the world, but don't yeah. go show it off. Yeah, he wants Stay to buy home. vacuum cleaners together. Stay home so, and do what every other couple's doing. Watch HCTV. So the, the, this was interesting. I went back this week in my text messages and I decided to look. Jesus. I can't stop. Uh, I decided to look at the first time I referenced 
coronavirus with all of my friends just to kind of see what the response was. And it was really interesting. On February 3rd, I texted with Alan about it. I said, have you heard about... Am I the first? You were the first. I said, have you heard about the coronavirus? He said, yeah. It was actually a really interesting response. You said, yeah, it's very worrisome. It could be quite destructive, which I thought was a really prescient thing to say. I'm a very smart person. What can I say? And uh, the first time I talked about it with Elliot, I said, have you heard of coronavirus? He said... (laughs) Never heard of it. Can you get it anally? And I'm not kidding. I said, no. He says, I'm not worried. Guys, that was three days ago. Wow. That was three days ago. I have to say, recording, because we're obviously recording via Zoom. We're recording from home. It's a different thing. And the the roles have kind of been reversed here at home because we often Michael will be watching YouTube on his headphones on the couch and just laughing like Elliot was just laughing for like minutes on end. And I don't know what the fuck he's laughing at. And it's so annoying because I want to sure. know what you're laughing at. And sure. now I'm laughing and Michael is giving me the looks like you're loud. And what are you laughing at? <laughs> get out of my, get out of my space. Yeah. 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 Do you guys think there will be more babies or and or marriages and or divorces. You know, uh, the babies thing is really interesting because I when I get stressed, my interest in sexuality goes way down. But I know a lot of people are not that way. And I know like there were baby booms during like the, the bombings in London in um uh, in World War One when the Germans were you know consistently bombing London. There was like booms and children in like the uh, 42 and 43. Yeah. But like, uh, yeah, I I don't know. I'm like the opposite. I'm just like, I'm just want to sit alone in my apartment, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I don't think, I don't think there will be a boom because this one has, I mean, I don't know if you, I'm sure you guys are the same as me, but I don't know if everyone else sort of listening is, but there's this anxiety about exposure. I find everywhere Mm -hmm. I go and everything that I do. And even if like, if I don't understand, if I'm worried at all about a certain exposure or a certain thing that I touched or whatever, I freak out and I wash my hands or I like, you know, I'm obsessive about it. So the idea of I feel like a lot of people, even if they're quarantined with someone are taking like certain precautions, like knowing, you know, how people touch things and how it can live on cardboard for like cardboard for like 48 hours or something, which is like a terrifying thing because you get a mail in the, in the package in the mail. And it's like, that's 48 hours of contamination that potentially could be happening if you touch it accidentally. Sure. I mean, it's minimal. It's, 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 it's right. The likelihood of that happening is slim to none, but because it's usually through mouth and it's exchanged through particles right. coming from your mouth. But still, right. still, it's, it's disturbing. There's so much right. unknown and nobody's giving you the <clears throat> solid answer of that won't happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's very yeah. true. What, what do you think, Elliot? Um, I think, I mean, I just, I, I don't know. I, I, if it were me, I'd be terrified to have a baby. You know, this, yeah. this would encourage me to... If for, to never want to actually make children, I'd want to, you know, I guess adopt or something. But but this is, I don't know. I, and I also imagine that like, I imagine that people who are cooped up together who don't want to be, you know, who don't necessarily want to be in the same place at the same time. I mean, obviously, it's it can be frustrating for any two people who are cooped mm-hmm. up in the same space. But if you're a couple, I think it probably can be a real. Um, I don't know, uh, a real litmus test for, for how, how, how well you can cohabitate and for how long without. I I definitely think there's going, yeah, I definitely think it's kind of a make or break moment for a lot of relationships. Uh, I think it could like do a really good job of kind of melding your two personalities together and, and sort of indicating that this is a relationship worth pursuing or the opposite. I do think though, uh, I think if you shut down LA for three months, and basically tell everyone you can't go anywhere for three months. There's always inevitably going to be a boom, quote unquote, mm-hmm. of divorces afterwards because people couldn't divorce for three months. <laughs> yeah, right. Yes. And of course, with the added stress of having to be around someone that you might not like or your relationship is starting to, to deteriorate. But I know I heard that in China and Wuhan that there was like this, quote, explosion of divorces uh, <laughs> sort of after they lifted some parts of the lockdown. And I was like, I just don't know if that's, 
if that's like really on the level what what's happening. Yeah, it's probably because they close the courts. I mean, they they I would guess yeah. essential. It's only the courts are only doing essential work at this point. I mean, right. for Michael and I, this is like our kind of our normal. We both work from home. We're yeah, like not much as really yeah. changed outside that we can't go to like the mall and shit. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, Elliot, let's start. <clears throat> sure. Um, so. Uh, there was recently a um, scientific study at the University of Toronto. They looked at 5,400 men across dif- uh, 10 different studies um, and found that men with an older brother are 38% more likely to be gay. So that was published in the Proceedings of the Royal Society Journal, um, and it looked mm-hmm. at fraternal birth order. And, and yeah, it turns out that... Um, older brothers increase the probability of being gay in later born males. Um, mm. uh, and, and that the, the mothers of gay men tend to produce more offspring than the mothers of offspring than the mothers of straight men. Mm. Mm. So the more, more gay kid, let's see, the mothers of gay men produce more offspring than the mothers, <laughs> mothers of straight men. <laughs> so I guess, you could have a I bunch of if you gay have kid. one kid, the I mean, gay kid, then you're more likely to have more, I guess. Well, yeah, I mean, there does like you look at the uh, there isn't really I don't know the numbers, but like it's not shocking to see gay twins, for example, or it's sure. not shocking, you know, like having that sort of run in the family isn't necessarily the most shocking thing. You see lots of examples of it, but for me, like I mean, basically, the study's saying like women who have a lot of children often the what you know one of them might be gay which kind of right. means like well yeah the more children you have the more likelihood you're one of them is going to be gay sure right, right. but um it, i mean it's true in my case i have two older brothers and yeah i'm, I'm the gay one and it's Are and, you? And, i mean yeah yeah and Brent, i mean in your case too you have one older I have brother an older brother so that's correct yeah elliot you're the anomaly but that doesn't that yeah doesn't surprise me um yeah. uh <laughs> but i mean i i I don't know. Sometimes I feel like us as gay people and gay researchers and gay scientists and scientists in general, being anything queer is relatively like niche and cool and sort of like, hmm, this is a weird topic. Maybe I'll do a study on it and find out something interesting and revolutionary. And we're so eager to learn more about sort of nature versus nurture and ourselves and everything. So people want to do these studies that to me, I'm a little like, do we really need this study? Like, is this... Is this the one we really, really want? But it is good. It's an interesting study. It's just yeah, I d- yeah. I don't know if it's like uh, you know. I'm not appalled by it. I just don't yeah. know. I don't know if I bu- if I buy it. If I buy yeah. that that you know that the results are fundamentally accurate. Um, I don't. I don't know. I just there's so much I don't know about <laughs> science I mean, is and the sexuality thinking, and how it works. Is the thinking that like the presence of a theoretically straight older masculine figure you i mean masculine what is, whatever that means like figure as an older brother somehow influences the queer outcome rearing right yeah right. is it is well, this I mean, a, is this a nature yeah. or is this a nurture thing nurture yeah, they're suggesting that it's that it's that it's nature not nurture um but they're also say, the in, the study also says that um, there's a suggestion, at least in like previous studies, that there's something to do with a protein that some right. babies have in the womb, mm. um, which I guess you know is a phenomenon unto itself. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. I mean, yeah. I, I do think it's like a. It, I guess that obviously the thing that I the, the sort of relationship that tends to come to mind, I would guess, at least for me, is like the masculine older brother and the you know gay younger brother who gets taunted or whatever it is and i don't you know maybe yeah. i don't maybe that but doesn't see, but then that I, implies that like masculinity is somehow genetic when in real in reality like it's very much a learned behavior like the idea yeah. of masculinity and what masculine things are quote unquote so like that well, did it affect, how did it affect you guys as like you know as as younger brothers of straight older brothers does it how does it impact you how did it impact you? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's it's hard to explain because I feel like our my dynamic with my brother and we're very close was kind of ingrained from an early age, and I, you know, well before I think I recognized that I was gay. And I guess I wouldn't say that I had a particularly effeminate affect um, as a kid. Did he know? You know? Did he know though? 
he didn't no i don't think so um but yeah i mean i played sports with him i mean i was always a little worse at those things but i was the younger brother um, <laughs> worse. I was well yeah worse. i mean you know he, but yeah he was a better baseball player and threw a little harder but like what was I, his response was when you came out uh he was great no yeah. no problems no problems See, for me with my brother's I always thought they were fuck ups and dumb and, yeah, and, right. <laughs> and like, I genuinely thought they were kind of losers. And so, <laughs> I mean, they're great people. They're wonderful. And I love them to death. Like I love them, but I, in my opinion, <laughs> the things that they enjoyed and liked, I was like, you're an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> I, why would you enjoy these things? This right. is a fucking waste of time. And so I thought, I thought rightfully so I was better than them. Oh. And, and, and I just did my own, Thing. Wait, what did they enjoy that, that you... They enjoyed stupid shit. Like, 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 not like... I'll be w- the judge of whether that's stupid. Yeah, not WWF wrestling, but like high school normal wrestling, but none of them actually sure. wrestled because they weren't good enough to wrestle. Sure. Um, and then, like, they enjoyed, like, uh, uh, my brother enjoyed turtles, and I was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Wait, well, everyone loves turtles, Alan. Yeah, as like a... as like a, wrong with look, turtles. Yeah, but to obsessively like research and love turtles is <laughs> taking funny. it a bit too far. I just thought they were boring. I mean, he was just a science sure. kid. No, he wasn't. Yeah. He wasn't that good at science. I got better grades in science than him. Like, it turns no. out he has his PhD in, in biology, and Alan's no. like, God, he's such no. a dork. Trust me, he does not have his PhD. Um, yeah, no, I just, I just found. I mean, it was, it was an arrogant thing for me to be as a kid. Sure. I, I always felt that they were just. Yeah. and so yeah. they they did had very they, little. They, my mother had more influence on me as a gay person than they did. Right, right. Did their behavior as you know, however, you, if you saw them as like you know dumb or boring or however you want to put it, like did that impact you? Even if you were like confident in who you were and what you were interested in, did their behavior towards the idea of a gay person did that impact you at all? No, because I thought they were dumb. Their opinions yeah. really didn't matter to me. Like it was, it was sort Did of. Did they say homophobic stuff at all? Not that I recall. I don't mm. ever remember anything. There was one moment I remember where my little brother, in an effort to sort of like quote unquote protect me or something, we were going into mm. something that apparently was like a rough neighborhood, and he said something like, "You know, like if anyone says anything like bad about you, I'll, I'll like do something." And I was like. Mm-hmm. I'll see. I'll, I'll believe that when I see it. Yeah, like, he's got I'll, those wrestling moves. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'll be the one to be able to take care of myself. Trust. I will talk this person down. I am fine. Uh, but it was, it was, it was cute. But no, I, I never remember yeah. anything homophobic or anything like that. It yeah. was just more like they were just sort of like boring straight dudes. And yeah, I was just resolute. And that's how straight dudes are. That just reminded me of uh, Alan, you talk about defending yourself. It reminds me of, Elliot, do you remember this, this phase there in New York, like in 2013, right after I left, there were like a few gay bashings in the city, which was, you know, pretty fucked up, of course. Yeah. And Elliot was like, I'm going to buy a knife. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to buy defend, a knife. To defend myself. And I was like, you do not want to buy a knife. If you don't know how to use a knife. <laughs> I would love. You I don't know how to use a knife, by the way. I'm just I mean, saying, just get I pepper just spray. That, get the pepper spray. Yeah. That, that to me made, makes you know, well, growing nominally up, like, more sense. Yeah. In New York, at least like when I was a kid and, 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 you know, I mean, I was in the suburbs, but obviously we'd go in a bunch and everything. And it was the era of women carrying mace all the time, pepper spray, or they, you'd have to like hold your key in between your fingers because sure. a guy could just attack you. And it was like mm-hmm. such right. a scary time. But once those, th- that weird string of like really, um, homophobic violence, yep. and I think there was like a murder was right a murder, outside of yeah. pieces in West Village. Was, I think it yeah. was so weird, and and it felt so um, just like a like a bizarre moment in time that just came out of nowhere. Yeah, but at least yeah. our listeners now know: don't pick a fight with Elliot. <laughs> That's true. This this Trust. bitch pony, this bitch with greaser. He's he's like Pony Boy. <laughs> <laughs> Not even joking. All right. Our guest today is an amazing comedian, friend of the podcast, Irene, too. Irene, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me virtually. Uh, yeah. Irene, let me just say you are our, <laughs> our very first excited. virtual guest or our first <laughs> Corona guest. It's right. 
Um, hopefully and so, not the last. Oh, well, hopefully, hopefully the last. Hopefully hopefully you're, right, the you're, last. Right, you're right. You're right. You're right. So before before we were on, we were all talking about how you had a day where you were like a little sick and you were like worried, and then I immediately was like, "Oh my god, you had corona." Tell us your story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, basically, I I was uh, laying in bed, you know, as you do the whole right. day. Um, when you're very then, depressed, yes, I'm with you. Well, I was reading, okay, and then I got a little sleepy, so I was like, oh, maybe I'll take a nap. Uh, but then I just suddenly felt really cold, and then I was like, uh-oh, I feel like I'm getting sick, you know? Mm. And then I felt like a little tickle in my throat, I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. I, I have it. Yeah. Uh, but then I didn't have a fever. I wasn't coughing. I... What was the other symptom? Oh, well, I guess it was like tired. So that was like the other symptom. Sure. Um, and then the next day I felt fine. Yeah. So I was like, so I think you're in the I, clear. I think I beat oh it. Oh my God. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> now you're recording from your car, which is a great place to quarantine. Um, right. How, yeah. what, what is that story? Well, so then I, I called you drove my mom up from and I was LA like, to oh, San Francisco. And she was like, oh my God, you have to come home. She like went to med school and whatever. And she's like, yeah. I can take care of you. And I was like, but you, you weren't actually a doctor. Like, does this count? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so then basically she like made me come home. And I'm like, all right, fine. So I just drove up today yeah. and nice. I got home like 45 minutes ago. And then she comes out. Yeah, today. Because we were supposed to record this like three hours ago. And I was like, I can't because I have to drive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got here at like 6.30 and we're recording at 7, I guess. And then my yeah. mom is like, comes out with like a mask on, goggles. Yeah. Already gloves. annoying you. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> and she was like, if you're going to come inside, we have to do this whole quarantine thing. I was like, okay, I have to record this podcast. So I'm just going to do it in the car. <laughs> And then I'll come in afterwards because I don't know how long that's going to take. I'm imagining, I'm imagining so your mother in a hazmat suit greeting you yeah. at the door and then you just being like, I have to record this podcast, yeah. mom. Right, right. But that's basically what happened. It's, it, it's interesting because I'm a hypochondriac and I have been astounded uh, with how, I guess, healthy I've been in the last month. Um, because I haven't been able to spiral. And I, I'm the kind of person that I, I think it's hard to kind of fake a fever, but I have definitely had times where I'm so anxious about getting a sore throat that I swear to God, within like four hours, I develop like a scratchy throat. And you're like, it's because you've been clearing your throat yeah. every 10 seconds for the last four hours because you're so paranoid. And anyway, I've just, I've definitely had that thought before of like, you know, if I do get sick, which a lot of us will, uh, in the coming months that like, I think the biggest hurdle for most of us who aren't in pools of really, really vulnerable communities is just the anxiety of it mm-hmm. of like getting sick. And now you have to deal with like, Oh, this is, this is okay, but it's also scary. And I can't go anywhere. I can't be with anyone right now. I have to, yeah. I have to be sick oh, alone no. in my apartment and that's that's and that that can be oh, stressful. No. So, what was it like for you? Was it was it? Did you oh kind of find God. yourself spiraling, or were you able to kind of take it all within? Uh, well, I I'm, I was staying with my roommate, so it wasn't just me in my apartment. Yeah. You know, so I think if it was just me, I probably would have freaked out more. But I'm like, oh, there's yeah. at least another person here. Although she also was feeling a little yeah. sick. So we were both like, oh my God, do we both have it? And that would have been horrific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then, yeah, the, then the next day we were both like fine. So I don't know what it was. Like if we were mm. just both yeah. tired or like it's also allergy season. Yeah, that, well, it is allergy so, season. Have you coughed in public yet? No, I haven't coughed at all. So mm. I think it's fine. I had a cough <laughs> in public yesterday. We were at the Did grocery store. Like one at you? cough. One cough. Yeah. And I... I, I had a mask on and I had the kitchen, the yellow gloves, the kitchen yellow gloves, because I find them to be more fashionable than the mm-hmm. other gloves. And, and as I was walking around, I had one cough. It was in the, it was in the cereal aisle. And I literally had a moment of like, am I going to, is there going to be like a, like a, like a stampede at me or something? Yeah. Like, I yeah. don't know. Like, yeah. I had, like I had a moment where I was like, 
Well, I didn't want to look anyone in the eye, so I just oh, kind of left the space. It was, it was like I farted and then walked away from it. You know what I mean? Right, like, right. It was like one of those moments. That's called crop dusting, Alan. Is it? Okay, well, crop uh, dusting. That's Alan how actually can... does that a lot, but anyway, go ahead. I don't do that a lot. <laughs> I just know what the word means. <laughs> he calls it leaving behind gas. Um, <laughs> Irene, you had a really funny tweet Wait. that I saw. You said, I probably would have, It's in, in essence, you, your tweet was like, I probably would have saved a lot more money if you said it was saving for a pandemic and not a rainy day i thought that was really funny yes yes thank you it's true though oh Uh, it's insane right because none of us saved enough money for this yeah we didn't know we weren't gonna save money we we didn't even take it we didn't even know it was real until like Well, weeks in, it has i mean the president it, it is it is interesting how i think I've been kind of blown away and I'll, I'll say this is sort of on the optimistic side of things. I've been blown away with how most people have, I think reasonably done the right thing um, right. in a relatively short period of time. I mean, to, to, to quite literally, you know, obviously we've all come, gone, gone over the last month in our head a million times now, but quite literally two days before LA shut down, I was telling a friend of mine, LA will never shut. You can't shut down a city. Yeah. You can't, shut down a city for a disease that, you know, I was like, has roughly 1% (laughs) uh, death rate, you know, you just can't do that. And then two days later, you're like, Oh, okay, this is happening, but it'll be only two weeks. And then very shortly thereafter, you're like, it's not going to be two weeks. And, but now you're like, Hey, you get, you do what you got to do. I guess this is, I guess our Irene, does it, does it look different or odd or eerie in San Francisco? Well, the San Francisco shut down earlier than LA. Mm -hmm. So they did the whole shelter in place thing first, which I think they did before, pretty much any other city in the country. Um, but I am not in the city cause my, my mom doesn't live in the city. So I haven't actually seen what it's like in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, but all the photos uh, make it look very empty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, whenever I'm in San Francisco, I like to shelter in place usually. So like, it's, mm-hmm. it seems like a, it seems like a nice city to shelter in place. Because there's, Where do you shelter yeah, in what? place? I mean, wherever I'm staying, there's people that can be annoying sometimes yeah. and often smelly. Like there are yeah. some gay men, there are some gay men in the Castro who are into the whole like have BO thing. And I don't want to walk by oh, it. Yeah, that is, that is, that is a stereotype. You son of a bitch. What were you going to say, Elliot? No, it's not. It's not a stereotype. I have had the same exact experience. I, I uh, Irene, I, I apologize ahead of time, but I've never had good experiences in San Francisco. Yeah. It's okay. I love, well, you, to be fair, I love Oakland. Yeah. I don't love okay. San Francisco. So. Yeah, a, Alan's boyfriend is from Oakland. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. His family, uh, Michael, where does your family live? San Leandro. Yeah. San Leandro. Okay. So that's also East Bay. Yeah, right? yeah, and, yeah. And whenever whenever we go there, we literally don't leave his parents' house. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I love East Bay, so the city is a little, you know. Yeah. yeah. What do you What do yeah. you think of it? You You were born and raised there. No, no, no. I moved here um, in 2012, and From then where? I left oh, last year. Oh, you moved to you Chicago. Moved to L- That's right. Oh, Chicago. Oh, God. I went to God. school in Chicago. I lived at Broadway and Barry. Chicago. Barrie. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so where. Cool. I lived at Broadway Where, and Barry at DePaul University in Chicago. Yeah, but where'd you go to school? Oh, DePaul. I was going to say yeah. that's probably DePaul. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah I took, and he hated it. I hated it. I hated, I mean, you I hated loved Chicago. Chi- no, I loved Chicago. Oh. I hated DePaul. Big well, I, I went to Northwestern <laughs> for two years and oh. I also hated it, which is yeah. why I left, but I love Chicago. My mm. go-to reaction in Chicago when I was there, whenever someone would say they went to Northwestern, I was like, okay, so you're smarter than me. Fine. <laughs> One of one of my one of my best jokes is whenever someone says they went to Harvard, I always say Harvard County Community College. Is that what you mean? And they they rarely enjoy it. They really Wait, do. People who go to yeah, fancy don't schools like don't like that joke. I what hate did, I what hate did you when hate? people say like they're like, Oh, I went to school in Boston instead of saying Harvard. It, I that hate like that. pisses yeah. me off. I yeah. hate that. Wait, <laughs> don't do I went that. To school in Boston. What did you what did, <laughs> cool. what did you hate about Northwestern? Um, well, I'm like from the suburbs of Chicago and that mm-hmm. college is basically 
the same thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I didn't want that for my college Did you start experience. performing in Chicago or in San Yeah, Francisco? I started doing um, stand-up. Well, I took like a stand-up class when I was in high school. And then I started doing more improv since Chicago is such a big improv town. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I was in college, I started doing more stand-up again. So that's kind of how I began performing. But I didn't really do a lot when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. But it was in San Francisco that you really started performing. Um, I guess it was in San Francisco that I did it more frequently or like mm-hmm. I did stand up. Cause that's how yeah. I heard of you first was when you were in San Francisco and you were just, I think moving here. Yeah. Cause I, d- I did stand up in San Francisco for what, six years. And I had only like been doing it in Chicago for what, a year or two, maybe like I just started. <clears throat> did, you, did you find, I have always found every time I performed uh, up specifically in San Francisco, nothing else. I've done a lot of things in San Francisco, but stand up is its own world in San Francisco and outside comics coming into San Francisco, the San Francisco comics are not a fan. It's like very much a community of comics in San Francisco that don't want outsiders. Um, I don't think you're wrong Mm -hmm. with that, but I think it also depends like who you're talking to. Like Mm -hmm. when I was booking shows in San Francisco, I always tried to book people that I thought were funny from New York and LA just because I knew I was going to move too. And that was Mm -hmm. yeah helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, very Machiavellian. Good for you. It's very Good Ali Wong. I remember Ali Wong did <laughs> that, that. Is such a compliment. My show yeah. in New York. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ali Wong. I remember she moved from San Francisco to New York, and she. I, I ran like I ran the show I ran in New York, and she. It was like this back and forth before she was Ali Wong, of course. Mm-hmm. Sure. I was like smart, smart, smart to be booking comics from other cities in a sort of a local show because it gets mm-hmm. you, it gets mm-hmm. you exposure in other cities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I will say I was still a little bit picky. Like oh. mm-hmm. if you were bad, I would still not respond. Mm-hmm. Did you, did you do a lot of shows in San Francisco that were just gay audiences? Uh, <laughs> not really. There aren't that many gay only shows in San Francisco. Yeah. There's only like a, a couple. Yeah. 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 It's, think, it's so funny. Have you been out oh. since you've been doing comedy? I'm sorry, Brent. I was just going to say, it's so funny that San Francisco has this reputation of being, uh, you know, this une- like unequivocal, untouched gay mecca for it's not the whole gay. world. And it's like, if you look at the statistics, it's like as gay as like New York or other big cities, maybe a little bit more so. Uh, but it's not that much gayer. And so yeah, it's always kind really of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. If anything, straight guys are more willing to go gay there. Really? I think so. I think they're all a little like, yeah, you want to touch my dick? Okay. All right. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about that. I I can't help you. Prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Have you experienced that in San Francisco? What? Oh, I'm asking Alan. Like, have you experienced? I was like, you're not talking to me, right? Yeah. This is <laughs> no, 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 no. I no. used to work for a company that produced AIDS walks across the country, and we did AIDS walk San Francisco, Los Angeles, and New York. And one of the things that I found at AIDS walk San Francisco is many of the heterosexual male co-workers that I had, which was few and far between because it was a lot of gay men, mainly gay men, lesbians, and straight women. Those were the, that was the workforce. And there was a few straight men and they were always open to the attention of the homosexuals. I'm just sure. saying, so like, huh, yeah. you know, that might not be a San Francisco thing, but an AIDS walk thing. <laughs> that's, that's probably true. There's I'm only, a certain demographic that's going I'm to the AIDS walk. I'm speaking my truth. I'm yeah. speaking my truth and I'm applying it to the city. That's all. Yeah. All right. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Elliot, you had a question. Oh, no. So um, have you been out since, did you come out when, like, what did you come out in relationship to when you started doing stand-up? Um, I came out doing stand-up. Oh, oh, interesting. Yeah. Like, like actually? I, yeah, like I, well, I not that I was like, I'm coming out like in my stand-up. I just started talking about being gay in my stand-up mm-hmm. huh. before I really so it wasn't like a Tignataro thing where like you told your mom you were gay and then the next thing you went to a show and was like, I just told my mom I'm gay. Mm-hmm. No, I think I did it backwards. Oh. I think I, I think I said I was gay on stage or like implied it. And then I eventually told my mom. Interesting. Although I can't really remember, you know, it's all kind of a blur. Mm-hmm. Um, but also. Did you come out a long, t- it, a long time, a long time ago? Yeah, it was almost like 10 years now. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Did that and how did that shape your experience? I guess both as a comic, but also as a gay woman. Um, 
you know, after I told my mom, she didn't care at all. So that was like, this is stupid. You want a big reaction, either yeah. like, oh, yeah. yay, or like, oh, no. You yeah. know? Yeah. And it's a story. And I'm like, and she was just like, okay. And I'm like, that's it? I, uh, Irene, I've literally, I've talked about this on the podcast before. I had the exact same response. My parents were very ho-hum about it. And I stormed out of the house Yeah, <laughs> because I, like, I you wanted, so, yeah. yeah, you want, you, you, you of course want them to be accepting, but you're also, I want a, sto- I want a story. You yeah. want the material. I want, I want the drama yeah. associated with it. Absolutely. I'm like, even if you kick me out for one day, let me just have that story. You know? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I think I'm well, probably... let's, let's do this again. Let me come out again and you yeah. throw me through, through yeah. you know, kick me out and then I'll come back tomorrow. I probably yeah, yeah. would have received a greater or a more angry response from my parents if I said, mom, dad, I'm straight. Like I really, I think they would have really? been. I think they would have been pissed because they thought all along that I was this yeah, sexual right. person. And now, woo, one eighty. Right, They're like we're right. confused. Oh, we <laughs> yeah. thought our gaydars were good. They're not. Right. What are we doing? <laughs> yeah. You uh, in in your in your standup, I know you tell a joke about, or you. I watched a bunch of your videos, and you were talking about how sometimes well, when you go into the bathroom, women will look at you like question whether you should be using the women's bathroom. Sure. Oh. And what is why? it? Yeah. Like, wh- yeah. what's that? What is that like? <clears throat> well, you first know, off, why? Why? Well, it's just yeah, the wait, hair. Why? Well, uh, also, my you can't. You, you have short yeah, hair. You can't really tell as much now because you know, in quarantine, my hair is just growing out like crazy. <laughs> sure. But it's normally much shorter on the sides, and it's it's like a men's haircut, I suppose. It's like a. I mean, it's uh-huh. a queer haircut, but like mm. for people who apparently don't know any lesbians, right? Um. <laughs> It's just a man's haircut. They're like, right, only right. men and right. young boys have that yeah, hair. Right. <laughs> yeah, but it's just the hair. Because a lot of times they'll just say it from behind me, too. So, like, they didn't even see my face either. Oh. So, it's just like, oh, we see a man's haircut going in the ladies' bathroom. Uh-oh. Oh, right. And I don't truly oh. don't know why anyone cares or right. like what they think they're doing to be like, oh, you're in the wrong bathroom. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, like, right, right. Yeah. I just don't get it. <laughs> you have to apologize right, for right. their <laughs> lack of is it bother, an, an ability to, to understand haircuts. Yeah, I, I don't understand. And the, the other thing too is like, I, I would get it more if it were like, 11 p.m. at a club there's like a men and women's bathroom and they just assumed i was really drunk and i went in the wrong bathroom but it's always yeah. like in the afternoon when i'm completely sober and i'm <laughs> yeah, at a museum the yeah. bathroom signs like clearly i found the bathroom right right <laughs> it's I not had... like i'm like oh this closet i can pee in you know yeah. like what Last year, yeah. uh, Michael and I went to DragCon, and then after DragCon, I was in drag, and after DragCon, uh, I we went to McDonald's, because that's what Michael and I do, mm-hmm. and I had to go pee, and it was like the first time I could go pee, and I went into the men's room at the McDonald's. I did not look like anywhere near a woman. Uh-huh. Like, I don't look mm-hmm. like a no. woman. <laughs> but this person... He was like, oh, you know, in wrong bathroom. Like, he's like, he made a thing. He made a show of it as soon as I walked, like, front-facing, as soon as I walked into the bathroom. Well, wait a minute. You were dressed in full drag? Yes. Yeah. And Oh, so, of course, I mean, you look, in drag, you look look like a I woman. Don't. Come on. The, there's no way oh, I... No, I, Alan, I think initially, if, if you're just looking at yeah. someone for a second, yeah, you look like a woman in drag. I don't know You about have women's that. hair, well, women's breasts, so women's thank hips. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. But yeah, like, I was... Let's not make this a fight but, but i was surprised <laughs> i was surprised at the reaction and then i had a moment it did i did sort of give me a moment of being like how do people who are legitimately gender fluid in both either presenting or that's how they subscribe yeah. themselves mm-hmm. to the world, that was my question too yeah yeah how do they handle it because they must get it all the time <laughs> yeah which i'm sure also, well they just i read they just do what uh what mrs doubtfire did lock the door <laughs> change in the stall and say it was a drive-by <laughs> yeah, yeah. Throw, throw the pie in your face and Wait, walk uh, out how does it make you feel irene like what what sort of react how, did, how yeah, do you respond like? well i used to not care as much because of what had actually happened that often my haircut's gotten gayer and gayer or i guess more sure boyish I, I don't know so it used to just be like once in a while so i'd be like whatever and i didn't like want to confront people about it and i'm like i know they didn't know whatever it's fine but now 
it's so frequent mm-hmm. where I will sometimes snap because I'm just like, yeah. I just want to pee. And then someone will say something and I'm like, I can read. Like that's yeah. the level yeah. where it's like, I don't want to be aggressive, but it's yeah. just like, I, it's every day, you know, yeah. like I yeah. hate it. That's yeah, it's it's so, also like I I think it would probably be easy to develop like a like a a reflex like every time you go to the bathroom now it's like am I do I have to worry about someone saying something and yeah. I also found in my life while that isn't a situation I've been in myself just any time a stranger says anything to me about what I'm doing wrong you know any circumstance in which you have any kind of antagonism with a stranger it's just instantaneously the most demeaning, like, like shitty feeling in the world. Mm-hmm. And I'll spend the next week of my life thinking about what I could have said to them instead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm just like, I sort of naturally like a tepid person. And then, you know, 10 minutes later, I'm just filled with fire and fury and rage. Mm-hmm. And so I can, I can only imagine that that would be the kind of thing where, you know, I would keep track of all of the people over the course of my life who told me I shouldn't be in the bathroom, Yeah, the, you know, the men's bathroom and what I would have said to them instead. <clears throat> Wait, Irene, I did want to ask you, cause like you've moved to Los Angeles and we have talked on the podcast before about sort of the inability for the lesbian community in Los Angeles or in many cities really to have access to like bars, bars. and like, activities and places where queer women meet together. So as a lesbian human person, what is your reaction to like the Los Angeles lesbian scene and the inability to be with other lesbians in big groups? (laughs) Yeah. Well, number one, I don't know what the Los Angeles lesbian scene is. So if anyone knows, uh, let me know. (laughs) Not in it right now. I've not been to any of the things. Yeah. Um, but it does suck that there's no like lesbian <clears throat> bars pretty much anywhere now. Mm-hmm. There's there's so few of them left. And I guess it's it's kind of funny because it's supposed to be like good and bad. It just means we're not drinking that much, which is I guess supposedly a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then it means we don't have a place to hang out, you know? So yeah. what do you so like do we're you... all just being responsible in our houses. We're right. like, we're not gonna, <laughs> we're not gonna drink. We're gonna drink right. like one glass of wine at home. We don't need to go right. out and get wasted. Right. <laughs> so they can't make money. And I'm like, okay, I guess that's good for us, but we've I don't had know guests on the past who have talked about like there being like gay like lesbian nights at bars or like certain lesbian parties that are kind of like travel around and um have you gotten do you do you yeah, those, I, um, I'm sure I could find out if I wanted to, but I, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not like a party person anyways. Yeah. Well, so, we are, like, so you're oh, in the wrong place. Oh, well, <laughs> that's why I'm only a guest on this podcast. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I'm not a regular. <laughs> oh God. Oh yeah. Well, no, we, it's, no. it's definitely, I feel like it's a situation where like, there, there is this ability that there that women. I think they're trying to forge different communities together at the same bar, like at the Abbey, for example, or other places sure. where like men and women can come together. But in reality, it's like you could have one bar West Hollywood for women, like yeah. one. Like well, just, someone you know. has to do it, and then also right. not worry that they wouldn't make enough money. So, right. Yeah. Right. I, I was um, going to say maybe Alan, maybe that means you should you should start it. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's I your could, calling. I could go undercover as a lesbian. I, <laughs> Alan's Hold putting on. on the same wig he put on for the last podcast. Yeah, that's right. it's, that's right. it's here. I act, <laughs> you look like yeah, um, yeah, the, the Andre from the real world. I'm, <laughs> New York. Oh my God. <laughs> All right. Well, um, we are devolving. We'll say um, to Irene that <laughs> I just out of sort of a curiosity, I downloaded the app her. If you're familiar. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I've heard of it. I've not, I've never used any of the dating apps. I just so. wanted to nav- just wanted to see yeah. like, if Did you felt, pretend to be someone else? I, you know, that's <laughs> yeah. the thing, because it's yeah, four Ellie, women. Can we find out more about this from yeah. you? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, did, you did post a fit photo of you on it, right? <laughs> no, it's no. for this, women. This is Elliot Glazer. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just curious. Check. <laughs> I just want to check it out. I'm it's just looking. Show. I'm just yeah. looking. I just wanted to poke around a little bit and see if it felt like a like a less antagonistic place than like 
What did you call it? What grinder. was your name? No, no, you I, had I didn't, you had a I didn't username. catfish. I didn't, ca- I wouldn't, I didn't make no. a fake profile or anything. But did you but have to use? how did you use it? Yeah, how? How did you I look just around? Had a, it was just blank. I didn't blank. put a blank, a blank. just blank name, no picture. Oh. Yeah. I, just, I wasn't going to use it. I just wanted to like see the features and see what it's like oh. in there. Yeah. <laughs> when, when was this, Elliot? When was this? <laughs> Recently, a couple months ago, during a, a, a bad period in your life. Is yes, that, yes. Was, I was just curious. Okay. I was like, "What is yeah. it like? Is it is it less intimidating than Grinder or Tinder or whatever?" And well, um, was it? Yeah, a little, just a little bit, but it was still, it, it was a little more friendly. You're the expert, <laughs> Elliot. You're the expert. I really I mean, wish... you're the only one that knows out of all of us. I guess so. that's true. Yeah. I, I really wish true. it forced you to like come up with a username so that we could know what your lesbian <laughs> doppelganger <laughs> username mm-hmm. would be. Yeah. <laughs> Probably Renee. Right. Irene, um, we wanna we wanna let you get out of that car. Yes, so, thank you so um, much for doing this. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks, Irene. Where can people follow you on the interwebs? Um, you can follow me at Irene underscore two. That's T U is my last name. It's on Twitter and Instagram, and <clears throat> you can find my website Irene two dot com, or just Google me. It's yeah. pretty easy. There's not yeah. that many of me. <laughs> right. Um, well, stay safe. Yeah, just find me. Feel yeah, good. Feel better. Thank you. And say we're not worried mom. about you, but but you're great. Uh, yeah, I'll tell my mom that uh, three gay men are um, saying hi. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Say that. Say that we're three. in the car. Yes. Oh yeah. oh, yeah, they're in the car with me. It's mm-hmm. fine. <laughs> I have to quarantine for longer now because there were multiple people. Right. <laughs> well, thanks, thanks again. Irene. Take care. Thanks, thanks so much Irene. for having me. Bye-bye. And another thing. So I am knee-deep <laughs> in an article <laughs> I, the sunday time or the new york times wrote a, an opinion piece um again about research um and there's mm-hmm. a lot there's a lot a lot a lot of information that i just you can as you can see in the google doc yeah. that i wrote and highlighted and underlined but it was so f- basically there was this article in the times mm-hmm. it was really interesting they basically well the the, the title of the article is <laughs> Um, uh, it's not loading, but, um, the idea is that gay marriage, basically the idea of a gay marriage is much more functional, healthy, and communicative. The article is called how to make your marriage gayer by Stephanie Kuntz, New York times. Okay. Stephanie Kuntz, how dare you? Kuntz, how dare you? Kuntz. You got, you're not going to turn that into a how dare you joke. Her name but, is Kuntz. But, but like, I would say that the big take home was what distinguished yeah. heterosexual marriage through the ages was not how many people were in it, but the sharp distinctions it mandated regarding the duties and authorities of its members, usually assigned to their gender, mm-hmm. which yes. uh, I think in modern, sort of the modern era is a lot of women feel sort of oppressed by these yeah. historic gender roles that they feel the need to, you know, it reminded me of a very, I have a very good friend who is successful and she's in a wonderful relationship uh, with a wonderful husband um, or boyfriend. I'm going to keep it ambiguous. Uh, but regardless, <laughs> she makes, she makes a lot of, she makes the money, most of the money. Yeah. Um, he does, he does great for himself, but she makes most of the money, but also he's not, historically very good at the other that the classically female traits either so he doesn't he's not great at cooking he doesn't do a ton of cleaning that kind of thing Mm -hmm. and i think they have a really great relationship but that probably has been the one thing she very consistently has you know lamented to me she's like i really wish you know my husband my husband or boyfriend or partner uh was a little bit better at doing these things because i feel like i work a lot and then i come home and i still have to fold the laundry or that kind of thing well, think yeah. about this some of the some of the stuff that she found is wait before before you women say that, diff- okay i yeah. do what i because I, I i get really annoyed with news newscasters or podcasts or anyone like tell a study and then don't sort of give the specifics behind the study because sure. yeah. Times yeah. these studies can be very misleading. Uh, so this study was done over a 10 day period where they, they got couples who were in their midlife men and women that identified as male and female, mind you, there were no there as of what they've reported, there's no trans or gender non-binary couples at all. And that of the 378 gay, lesbian, and heterosexual marriages that they followed, um, it, it got 
basically like they were measuring sort of the partner roles, but the actual study is over a very short period of time. They don't identify the, the locations in the U S where these couples lived and it's a very small pool of people. So true. Consider that when we talk about the information that the study found. Right. Right. Well, like, yeah, for example, I mean, they, she says that women in male, female uh, marriages report the highest level of psychological stress, while men in same sex marriages report the lowest. And that includes like women and women. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, and so the, basically the idea is that she's uh, like another, t- t- excuse me, another statistic is that same sex couples are far more likely to each take on a traditionally, quote, female or feminine uh, chore, feminine and masculine chore. So they, they, they're likely to share this stuff. Nothing's going to get done if you don't. I know, but I, I, I find it fascinating because yeah, I mean, there does feel like as an advantage in, at least in my opinion, to a gay or queer or, you know, non just hetero relationship because. Or non-binary, you son of a bitch. Of course, or (laughs) non-binary. But the idea of not having the, the, the sort of the, the, the lack of structure, right? The, yeah, the lack yeah. of societal um, uh, boundaries that are yeah. handed to you if you're mm-hmm. a straight man or a straight woman. The lack of that being there forces you to basically figure it out for yourselves. Yeah. And obviously over time, especially with gay marriage, but you know, with all sort of queer relationships, because you define it by yourself, I think in a way it forces you to communicate more than if you were kind of fed the idea of what it's already supposed to look like. So yeah. you're more, ch- I think there's more of a challenge to basically, d- you know, uh, um, interpret the mm-hmm. relationship as you will. And obviously it doesn't work all the time, but I wasn't surprised that so much of the study points out to the idea that like two men or two women tend to be able to communicate more, fight yeah. less. I mean, part of me, Part of me thinks, like again, just like the initial reaction to the first study that we talked about in the first the, the top of the show. Part of me wonders, like, well, what, like, what kind of people did they talk to, and like, what, how did these? Because obviously, like, there is sort of a give and take that certain sort of economic backgrounds allow for that give and take to even exist. So there's that part of it. There's a lot of like, I'm always super skeptical of studies and like reading too far into the tea leaves of studies because oftentimes mm-hmm. they are done at the behest of sort of who's paying for the study, which is a big thing that everyone should always look at when you read anything about a study. Um, And in this one, I I do think it shows that like queer people are forced. And one of the great things about being queer is that we can define our own sort of future in a way that is sort of free of what society says we're supposed to act and how we're supposed to act. And I love that. And I think that's a great thing about being queer and straight people like the article says, should take some lessons from queer people in this sort of communication back and forth about where these roles that were that society says are masculine and feminine. And I mm-hmm. love that. That said, I don't want to make gay people out to be the beacons of the examples of how no, but should work. But do you feel <laughs> like in your relationships that do you feel like that? Do you feel that like, because you don't necessarily have a, uh, uh, a, a bloop, a blueprint to follow that it's been it's given you a healthier freedom to like figure it out together well i don't i don't think i don't think that matters so much to me it's sort of like it's just the reality of how it is and so like how society impacts how i deal with my relationship or the things that i do in my relationships the fact that like i take on more of the cooking and sort of the domestic things more often that i don't feel somehow like i'm like some sort of social warrior by taking on a, the stereotypically feminine things. But, you know what I mean? Is, isn't the argument would be that's a loaded thing to say because you don't have, uh, because the reason why you don't feel like a social warrior is because there aren't these rigid norms about of course, of course. what we do. And yeah. so, but it doesn't, you know, it doesn't bother me that like, like, I don't feel like, oh, straight people, you should take a lesson from me because I do. The right. You know what I right. mean? Like, to me, I'm just like, I get that gender and the way we've gendered certain roles in relationships and how for, for history, for forever, how mm-hmm. men and women, quote unquote, are like supposed to act together in a relationship. Yeah, that's super toxic and that should change. That said, 
I don't think mm-hmm. I'm going to text my straight friends and be like, well, you know, I do the <laughs> cooking. Maybe you should, maybe you should maybe. look into that husband. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's not my role because yeah. I don't think I'm any better or worse than a straight couple. Like I think, I think we are subjects of the culture we live in and there are things that are really <laughs> shitty about gay relationships, oftentimes legal rights, not awarded to us. And, and that like, well, I just don't yeah. think about it that way. One, one of the other interesting take homes uh, was that, um, uh, uh, parents in same-sex couples spend oh, yes. a yeah. lot more time with their children than parents in heterosexual couples. Which is great. Which which is obviously a great thing. Oh, turn off your phone, bitch. Um, Who, me? Yeah, I think that was your phone, right? I think that was maybe Michael's phone. Oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> your phone go off? Right. Whose phone um, went off? Not mine. I don't know. I think that's that might have been my not neighbor. Mine. My walls are very, very thin. Um <laughs> No, um, but, uh, you know, obviously that could be attributed to a other phenomenon, which, yeah. you know, they, they talk about in the study, which is, you know, same-sex couples very rarely have accidental quote-unquote children or sort of right, unintended. Like that's very to me, that's not a, yeah, it's so right. not a phenomenon. It's like, I mean, again, this is me as a proponent of uh, watching The Fosters, which is a long-running, sure. was a long-running <laughs> drama about two lesbian parents on Freeform and all the kids they fostered and adopted. But it's like gay parents usually, for the most part, go through hell and high water to attain children. Often, mm. yeah, yeah. So it's like, of course, of course, gay parents spend more time with their children. They've fought for them. They've paid for them. They've, you know, they've gone through emotional turmoil for them. It's like they've had to go through something deeply challenging to get to that place. Yeah. So it, doesn't, it doesn't surprise me at all. I will play the Alan role here for a second. I mean, yeah. I definitely hear where you're coming from. I don't know if one would necessarily argue that gay parents love their kids any more or less. I think yeah. this might harken back to like gender role type shit, which is gay parents might not feel like maybe a straight dad might feel some sort of weird rigidity around their kids or they shouldn't show a softer side or they can't like get on their knees and play with their kids as much. And maybe gay parents might, might not feel that kind of pressure to, to, to be. Well, I don't think, it, yeah, I don't think it's like a matter of, I don't yeah, think sorry. it's, yeah, I don't think it, I don't think of it as them loving their children more. I think when, when I, at least in the study, when they're saying like they, gay parents spend more time with their kids, I wouldn't be surprised if they cherished the time more considering uh, the yeah, obstacles I mean, they had to get to them. I think one of the reasons why I'm particularly skeptical about that, even though I think it's a great point and I'm sure it's correct in many instances that said, like my mother is a product of adoption, heterosexual adoption in the 1950s. And my grandparents were as Holes, total cunts. <laughs> they didn't appreciate that that child they had to work extra hard and pay lots of money for to adopt. Like there was none of that. So like, I just don't like, I, I don't like making martyrs out of communities. I don't think martyring is ever a good thing in society, ever, be it political candidates or, or minority groups or anything. We don't need martyrs. Like, mm-hmm. stop it. We don't deify people. You know, we want to like, I think in some way realize like, yeah, gay people do have to work a little bit harder to have children. That said, just like this podcast, we don't want to make it a kumbaya moment because we want to be able to say straight people can be assholes. And guess what? Gay people can also be assholes. and be able to have a community where we can agree that, yeah, we have things that we need to do better on. There's things that we're really good at, but some of us can be assholes and some of us can be great. Yeah. I just always, I I mean, this is like a tan, this is a little bit of a tangent, but I always have a soft spot for gay parents or, you know, straight parents who had to go through IVF or or who adopted. And like, I just always have a soft spot for them because it feels like, God, I I just, I, I am, I understand the, the idea that they ch- cherish the time more again uh, you're right it's 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 silly to di- to like martyr you know to to make them into martyrs but i just always when i read that statistic i was like oh that makes sense like that just makes so much sense to me i also am obsessed with the fosters so <laughs> just say, right. I'm, right. I'm hypnotized rosie, by terry polo rosie was on that right for a few episodes rosie was on it for a few episodes and it was um EP'd by Jennifer Lopez, believe it or not. <laughs> okay. And wasn't the guy from Queer as Folk also like the guy behind it? Yeah, the, the, the team from Queer as Folk basically came up with the show, which I which doesn't surprise me. And again, the show is like a, a you know a very melodramatic like 
teen tween drama on like ABC family, mm-hmm. but it explored so many themes related to fostering adoption, being a person of color, being a kid. Now it was a really um, like interesting show because a bunch of the kids, kids are trans kids are queer. Kids, you know, it's, it's a very multi culty house. He gets um, in a relationship a month later. He wants to adopt Brent. Oh. <laughs> Over it. I am not giving any baby gifts. Nope. <laughs> what would your aunt say? Brent, what would your aunt Ramona say about something she heard on today's show? I'm curious, what vacuum cleaner did Elliot end up buying? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a Dyson. It wasn't a Dyson. My aunt Joanne would probably say, you know, if you had a gay older brother, he'd be gay too. <laughs> How about Aunt Anne? My Aunt Anne would say, you mean your other brothers? They aren't gay? I thought the wrestling thing was a gay... I, I don't... I'm going to be quiet now. I'm just going <laughs> to... Thanks so much for listening. Stay safe. This is Elliot Glazer. I am Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Allen Scott. Stay indoors! Don't go out! Don't go out!